Buenos dias. Good morning, everybody. Great to be here. Welcome to church. Welcome to church online. Welcome to the metro region of the Los Angeles International Church of Christ. It's uh, great to have you with us this morning. It's great to be together. Great to see everybody, at least in my mind, out there watching and, and, and all of us being together, even if in virtual, not in reality. Uh, I, I feel the connection and I hope you're, I hope you're, you feel the connection as well. It's great to have you with us worshiping this morning. Uh, this morning, uh, I gotta tell you, I got a lot on my heart to, to share. I'm excited about what we're gonna talk about. Um, so much is happening in our world. You know, the title of the lesson this week is Eyes on Jesus. And, and, uh, those of us who are part of the metro region, we know that this is our theme this year is fixing our eyes on Jesus. And, uh, you know, as I've thought a lot and prayed a lot about what's been happening throughout this week, uh, I keep coming back to this and I feel like the Holy Spirit kind of keeps turning my, my head around to stay focused on Jesus. So I want to encourage us today with some thoughts about that, about, uh, just keeping our eyes on Jesus as we go, you know, so much is happening this week. You know, I'm going to go ahead and say uh, a prayer. I actually prayed before we started, but I'm going to pray again so you can join me. Let's pray. Father God, help us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. God, help us to have our hearts and our minds set on him. Help us to hear <clears throat> this morning, whatever message you have for us through the scriptures, through the word, use me and let your Holy Spirit speak. God, help us to approach you with respect and humility and open hearts to let you transform us in any way you desire that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So much is happening this week. You know, the, the, the COVID-19 virus is having a devastating effect around the world. Uh, I keep in touch with people around the world. I, I try to watch news, uh, from around the world, not just the United States. And so, so the, this virus is devastating so many countries that don't have all the blessings and benefits that we have in affecting people around the world in very devastating ways. I would ask to keep them in our prayers. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's a growing unrest in our own country with, uh, reopening. I know people are tired of being quarantined and, and it's unfortunately become very politicized and, and people are marching and angry. And there's a lot of emotions from everything from, from, Take it slow, be protective, be careful to let's get out there. Let's get moving. Let's get living again. And, and, uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of anger out there. And that's just really the, the, the backdrop of, of what's happening out there. Um, even around the world, there's other issues that are boiling over what's happening in Hong Kong and in, in United Kingdom. They're having some similar issues that we are. And, and other countries around the world. It's just, it's a very intense time in human history. And, and, and not, not surprising considering our, the impact that our world is going through. And then this week with the death of another young African American man. And of course, this is just erupting across the country. Uh, so much frustration, so much anger, so many feelings. And it's just, raise the level of tension and rightly so. And so many people are just fed up. And I know last night, Minneapolis was on fire. Um, there's been rioting. There's people just angry, just tired. 
And even those who are normally silent are speaking up. And there's just a lot of feelings out there. And I've been praying about God's will being done. I've been praying for our people, praying for the church, praying for the families of the victims and praying for the many lives that are being destroyed because of this. Another young man was killed last night uh, as part of the marching and rioting and so much damage is going on out there. And, you know, this isn't obviously... This is not the first time. This is not the second time. This is not the 50th time. And that's part of the angst and the anger out there is how many times these things keep happening and how many times our world is constantly tested with atrocities and injustices that bring about so much anger. I thought a lot about, you know, the people that have helped us through these times in the past, you know, when the United States was at a a civil war and the way that Abraham Lincoln led our nation through such a horrible time, such a difficult time, or the time when uh, it, when England was being uh, basically expelled from India and how, how uh, Mahatma Gandhi led his people through this. And it could have been a bloodbath. It could have been horrific, you know, or Nelson Mandela as, as apartheid was overthrown after decades and decades of abuses and injustices and yet he ushered in mercy and kindness and unity and really saved South Africa from a bloodbath. And, and of course, the heroes of the civil rights, Martin Luther King being a giant among them and how he led the way through to peace, you know, how he helped people and he drew people from all races and all backgrounds, but he stood up for justice and righteousness. And, uh, and one of his disciples or really one of Gandhi's disciples, uh, Cesar Chavez, who was major here in California, having a big impact and also standing not just for retribution or revenge or anger. He was angry and he was tired of it, but standing up for justice and righteousness. And, and, uh, I'll never forget. I got to have lunch with him when I was a college kid and his, his admonition to me another time, another day, but really impacted my life, his devotion and commitment to peace and unity. And you know, I look at all these people. What do all these people have in common? Yeah, they're peacemakers. And, and God said, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. But they have something else in common. And that is that they were all inspired by Jesus. All of them were either directly or indirectly inspired by Jesus, moved by Jesus. Even Gandhi said that, he said, Jesus expressed as no other could the spirit and will of God. It is in this sense that I see him and recognize as the son of God. You know, that all these people around the world, even some who are not even Christians, and I'm not claiming everybody's Christians, but but even someone who's not is cannot help but to be moved, to be inspired by Jesus. So we come full circle. Here we are five months later. And all the more is it important. How much more is it important that our eyes are fixed on Jesus. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. Fix your thoughts, set your mind, set your your mind on Jesus. That we have to think about Jesus. We have to have him on our mind because otherwise we get pulled to places we don't want to get pulled to. 
or we get sucked into feelings. We start thinking negative things or bad things. And then we get sucked into the anger or the frustration or the defensiveness that the whole world is being sucked into. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the, of the throne of God. He went through so much, so much more than any of us will ever have to go through. But he went through so much, everything that people go through that you and I have ever gone through, he's gone through and he's been through more. And he did not get dismayed or discouraged or, or derailed because he kept on his path for who? For our good and our well-being. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. And so we're called, and our calling is to set our minds, set our eyes on Jesus. And I want to point out the first scripture tonight. Shortest scripture in the Bible. Shortest scripture in the whole Bible. Two words. Jesus wept. Simple words. Simple sentence. And yet incredibly profound, incredibly moving, if you stop and think about it. Probably one of the scriptures that tells us the most about Jesus and what kind of God we worship and what kind of Lord and Messiah you and I follow. You know, in, in John chapter 11, it tells the story when, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him. She fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She was frantic. And we all know that pain of death. We all know that, that, that intensity when somebody we love dies and there's nothing you can do about it. And it's so devastating and it's so finite and it's so shocking, a new reality that that person isn't around anymore. And she felt that pain. And then she said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and here's where you really got to see it. When he saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he sees everybody crying. He was deeply moved. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. It bothered him. What troubled him? What bothered him? I mean, he knew he was going to resurrect Lazarus. He knew that. But seeing them in pain, seeing them hurting, seeing them struggling, moved him. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But here's the amazing thing. They weren't his family. They're just friends. They're just people he cared about. But seeing their pain, he felt it. This is our Lord. When you're in pain, he feels it. I think that's what's been so shocking about these videos. Is you watch these videos and you just, you feel the pain. You feel the pain of what would it be if this was my brother or my dad or my son or my cousin or my friend. 
And you, you can't help but to watch it and feel it. And everybody feels it. Some more than others. Because it's not the first or second or third or fifth time. For some of us, it's the first time. Or only the second or third or fourth time. And, but we can't help feeling it. And what I want to point out is this is Jesus. The Lord of Lords. The King of Kings. Who's sharing in their pain. And that tells you something about him. How deeply he loves. They recognize it. They said, see how he loved them? But they would say the same thing about how he feels about you. Or about me. Or if you or I were suffering. Or you or I were going through abuse. Or you or I were, were, were going through something horrible. He feels it. He shares it. I have one day of my life I'll never forget. I was a kid, my, my, my brother and I were playing out front. And the toy he was playing with rolled into the street. And he took off running out there into the street to get it. And I was about five feet behind him. And I saw him and I ran after him. And I heard wheels squealing, skidding. And then I don't remember anything else. And all of a sudden, the next memory I have is I was running in the house screaming that a car hit my brother and my mother coming out. And I remember her picking him up and there was blood everywhere. And I'll, what I'll never forget is the screams. And she got in the car and they both took off. They, they took off. She told me, just stay. And I had a house full of relatives to take care of me, but I'll never, ever forget the pain of her screams. And I feel that, and I can feel it today, even now, even though it's 50 years later. And I think how God must feel when he sees us and he watches us suffer. And you got to understand that, that, that he loves us more than anybody, more than than anybody's mom or brother or dad or son. And he does feel it. This is the Lord that we follow. That we are behind. This is our Lord, Jesus. Yes, he cares. And does God care about justice and righteousness? Absolutely. We could spend two hours going over those scriptures. This is our Lord. And his people care. Why? Because we have to understand his perspective. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. We were all given the one spirit to drink. See, God doesn't care where you come from. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, whether you're rich or poor. I mean, the world was divided, has always been divided. Back then it was divided Jews and Gentiles, slave and free. For them in their world, that was those were the major divisions. He said, not when you're in the church, not when you are with God, not according to God. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian or slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. This was God's perspective. You know, the, I mean, diversity, what everybody's talking about, it's huge now. It was way more radical 2,000 years ago when the world was completely divided by race and language and social uh, status and wealth and all those things where they couldn't even mix. 
But for God, none of that mattered. The world was even divided by gender. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave or free. There's neither male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Because God knows, God, the Bible says God made man and then he separated them and made male and female. But he made men in his image and then he separated them into two. So they are the same to him. There is no preference. There is no favoritism. There isn't over one over another. They're just one and the same for him. We're all his children. I love this picture because it's a Norman Rockwell who's normally known for making these paintings of American life and traditional American life. But this is a mosaic that he made. It's in the United Nations. I saw it in the United Nations and I had to take a picture of it because it was just so beautiful. And it's all the people of the world together. And that's him right in the middle, just pondering God's creation. And the wonderful diversity of it. We have to stop and look at Jesus. Here's another snapshot of Jesus. When he's approaching the city. And he looks at Jerusalem. And it says he approached Jerusalem and saw the city. And he wept over it. And you got to understand. It's not like Jesus is a crybaby. I mean, it's not like he's always getting emotional and losing it. There's only two times it's recorded that he actually wept. Third, if you count the Garden of Gethsemane. He saw the city. He saw the people. And he wept. Why? It says, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. He said, look, if these, if these people just, if they just got it, the answer is Jesus. The answer is God. The answer is holiness. He's the way, the truth, and the life. That's the way out of this mess we're in. But they didn't get it. He says, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. That happened a mere 40 years later. The city was destroyed. And people starved. People were brutalized. And Jesus hurt. He hurt over it. It broke his heart. And I think that's what he sees when he looks at our world. People suffering needlessly. Horrible, stupid things happening that don't need to happen. If we just understand that God has come. That Jesus is our Lord. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And I know we wrestle, what do I do? When I see this stuff and all this is happening in the world, what can I do? What do I do? Do I do nothing? We know that's not right. Do I ignore it? We know that's not right. Do I remain silent? Do I say something? If I say something, will I get myself in trouble? Will I insult somebody? Will I incur the wrath of people out there? What do I do? 
I remember I ran across this saying at the memorial, the, the Jewish Holocaust Museum in Israel. It said, first they came for the communist. And I did not speak out because I wasn't a communist. Then they came for the trade unionist. And I didn't speak out because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews. And I did not speak out because I wasn't a Jew. Then they came for me. And there was no one left to speak out for me. We know that silence isn't it. Someone once said, once said that all that is needed for evil to triumph is for good men to remain silent. What do I do? Do I do nothing? Do I ignore it? Do I remain silent? And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not claiming I have all the answers. And I'm not going to give all the answers. I don't have them all. But I will share you what I do know. Because there's a few things I do know. As a disciple of Jesus, as a man of God, you know, we have a history, a long history of prejudice and racism all over the world. Without a doubt, I would say those that have suffered most have been the African-Americans. But there have been others, too. Against Hispanics, against almost every race. And, and you know, my, my wife's family is Irish. And there was a time that Irish, being Irish, was just as bad as being any minority. Or being Italian. And really, if you go back in history, we're horrible about this. We've always divided up and brutalized each other. It's our sinful nature. There's a long history of evil, of people conquering other people, enslaving other people. The Romans used to enslave all the Germanic people. The Greeks enslaved the Romans, and the Romans enslaved the Greeks. The Persians enslaved the Greeks, Greeks enslaved the Persians. It just happened all over the world. The dominant culture abusing the others. It's our sinful nature, this world of evil. So what do I do in a world of evil? Well, we, I'll tell you what we know. We know that Jesus said we do unto others as you would have them do to you. Treat others the way you want to be treated, even when they mess up, because we all mess up. Even when their evil comes out, and it hurts us, because we all have our own evil, and we all mess up. We know this is a higher calling. This is, this is not the way of the world. It is the way of Jesus. It's the way of God. This is not like anything in the world. It is holy. It is the kingdom of God. To do to others as we would have them do to us. So we know what does God want? He wants us to listen. He said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. We're his people. You're his people. I'm his people. I listen and I follow Jesus because Jesus is the way out. When I became a Christian, my heart was so full of anger. And he set me free. He set me free of that. To be able to love, to be able to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. To be able to make a difference and even be a light in this world. 
But I had to listen to Jesus carefully to look. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service to the kingdom of God. I can't go back. I can't go back to who I was or how I was or what I did before or how I felt before. I can't. I mean, I'll tell you what, there's been moments in my life that I just would, I wanted to check out for, give me five minutes to be a non-Christian. But that would have been evil. Because Jesus said that no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. There's only one way to keep looking forward towards Jesus. Because it's the way out. It's the way to salvation. It's what the world needs. Love, sweet love. To remember, he said, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Who are my people? Mexico? No. The kingdom of God. That's my people. You're my people. Like it or not, you have to love me. And I have to love you. It's a good command. Because we're all members of the same nation, the same household, the same people. That's so different than the world. That's so radically different than the world. Remember, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. You remember the Krispy Kreme donuts? That's you. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. We're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, and a holy nation. You But our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what I love about citizenship in heaven? I'll never get deported. My place is there. My place is solid. Jesus secured it for me. You're my paisano. Because we're all in the family of Jesus. What else do we do? We need to follow and we need to keep following. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. Remember, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Love our enemies. That's so radical. That is so not like the world. But I don't want to be like the world. And I know you don't either. I don't want to be like everybody else. I don't want to be part of the problem. I want to be part of the solution. I want to be part of the light. I want to be part of what God is trying to do to heal our world, to heal people's lives. And this is... This is radical. Love your enemies? Who says that? Who does that? People who change the world. 
people who have changed the world, people who are changing the world now. When you love your enemies, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. We must learn to live together as brothers or we will perish together as fools. People who have changed the world know this. I destroy my enemies when I make them my friends. Abraham Lincoln. Be sure you put your feet in the right place, then stand firm. Let us work together for unity and love. Doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure this out. Just takes listening to Jesus and following him and being willing to be different, being willing to change the world, being willing to be an instrument of God. It's our calling, guys. It's what the church is all about. It's who we are. It's what we are as God's people. They said in Acts 17, when the Christians arrived, these people who have been turning the world upside down have come here also. The world needs to be turned upside down because what is normal is not right. It's not good. It needs to be shaken and turned upside down. And what will do that? Love will do that. Courage to love. Faith to love. Conviction to follow Jesus. And to be his man, his woman. To be the light of the world. And believe this world can change. It can be different. I have a vision. I wrote it a while ago. I'm going to share it with you as I close out. It was a vision that I got walking around slums in Cambodia, slums in Africa, townships, barrios in South America, inner city projects in the United States, refugee camps in the Middle East and in Europe. Here's what God showed me. My vision, that one day there will be no more children living on trash heaps, scrounging out a living. That one day there will be no more parents burying their children who died from diseases we already know how to prevent. That one day every family will have a decent home that's safe to raise their children and grandchildren. That one day no child will go to bed hungry or go to school hungry. That one day the vicious cycles of abuse will be broken and every child will grow up loved and protected in purity. That one day people all around the world will see Jesus in us, as in us as we clothe the naked, feed the hungry, heal the sick, provide shelter for the homeless. That one day men, women, and children from every nation, every race, every language will help serve, and love their neighbors, no matter what their differences are. That one day everyone will see God's kingdom as we set the captives free, bind the brokenhearted, and bring hope to those in despair. That one day we will live up to our creed, and we will worship together as one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for everybody. That's my vision. 
and I hang on to it. And I know that I probably won't live to see it completed. But it's a a vision worth fighting for. It's a vision worth my life. It's not my vision. It's really Jesus' vision. It's God's vision. And we're called to that vision. And what a beautiful thing it is. Because it's the kingdom of God. As we close out this time together, I want to invite us all. I want to invite you to join me in a moment of silence for George Floyd. As we remember his life and give honor to this young man's death. He's seen here with the Bible in his hand. You see, because he was a volunteer with several churches. He liked to help outreach in the projects where he lived in Houston's famous Third Ward. He was a mentor to many young men. They called him the OG. He set up events for kids, including three-on-three basketball tournaments. He was the guy who drugged the baptistry out in front of the project so everybody could see somebody baptized. It was said by many, if this guy could change, I can change. He gave a lot of people hope. He was known for his statement, if you're all about God's business, then that's my business. He wanted to see young men put guns down and have Jesus instead of the streets. His pastor said, George Floyd was a person of peace sent from the Lord that helped the gospel go forward in a place that I never lived in. Another pastor said, he's the definition of the statement, be the change you want to see. One of my favorite quotes from Gandhi. Let's take a minute of silence. Let's pray for the man who called himself Big Floyd for God. Father God, we come before you with broken and hurting hearts, God. And Father, first we pray for George's family. We pray for his family who's hurting so much right now, God. And for his friends and for the many young men that he'd reached out to, that you would protect their hearts, God, that they would find comfort in you, that they would draw near to you, God. We pray for those he loved, 
And we thank you, God, for the example of he set of reaching out to others that weren't even from his neighborhood. But he cared about so many other people. Father, we also pray for our nation. Father, that we would repent, that we would change, and that we would learn to love each other, God, and to respect everyone, no matter what their background, their color, the language they speak, where they come from, but that we would learn, God, that we're all in this together, God, that we're all your children. And we pray, Father, for the church, that we would rise up and be what you've called us to be, that we would be a light to the world, God, and that we would show the world how to do this, how to love each other, how to forgive each other, how to care about one another, how to serve each other, no matter our backgrounds, no matter our skin color, and cross all the lines and barriers that Satan puts up between us, God. Help us be the peacemakers, Father. Help us have the courage to speak out against sin, but against specifically against racism, and to care for each other and to stand up for one another. Father, help us, God, to be the example you've called each of us to be in our homes, our jobs, our schools, our communities, in our city. Father, we love you. We want to be part of the solution in the terrible situation we're in right now. And in Jesus' name, And with Jesus' confidence, we approach you, God. His name we pray. Amen. Over the next few weeks, we're going to hold some meetings, the elders and some of the evangelists, and we're going to be discussing two things, our response, as well as how to grow in our own race relations and understanding one another. Please pray for those meetings, and we'll let you know as they get developed and organized. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for joining us. I hope this has been educational and inspiring for you. If you'd like to know more, please join us by going to study.laicc.net, and we'll be happy to contact you and help you in any way we can.